When speaking of nurture or nature, Pastor Xavier Reese says man has the potential for good, but his bent is toward evil. Any parents ever had to teach your child how to lie? How to steal? You sit down your kid about two, three years, say now, you know, you're going to be going to school in about a year or two and I want to teach you how to lie. No, no, no. Who taught him to lie? Innate, sinful nature. Why don't we try to decorate it today? Why don't we say man's good? The potential's in you. Yeah, the potential for evil's in you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The simple truth of Jeremiah 17.8 paints a bleak but accurate picture of the so-called goodness of man, saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Today, Pastor Xavier responds to what is commonly thought with what is accurately taught in Scripture as he continues with a list of common excuses for not coming to Christ that he began last time. Let's join him as he starts today with a quick recap. The title of the message is Excuses for Not Coming to Christ. And you've heard many in your lifetime. I have also. So what I want to do is touch on some of the most common and um, we'll look at their validity and really how to handle them. The first one that people say is, I can't believe in something I cannot see or understand. Now, this excuse is contrary to most of what we accept on a daily basis, if you really examine it. We do not understand how it is possible for a plane to fly. I understand there's a science behind it, but the average person doesn't understand. Have you ever gone down to LAX or Ontario and you sit there and you watch this big piece of metal just, you know, sit there? As if it isn't heavy enough, then they have people get on board. And if that's not enough, each one of those people take two, three bags they put underneath it. And then they put thousands of gallons of gas in it and then they try to take off. It's amazing. Yet we believe the plane will get us to our destination. We would never attempt to defy the laws of gravity, even though we have never seen it. Have you, any of you ever seen gravity? What does it look like? But we do respect it and believe in it because we've seen the results of gravity, right? Now, gravity could care less whether you're Christian or non-Christian. You get up in that balcony, you jump off, and you're a Christian. You're going to hit the ground. Now, we'll pray for you when you hit the ground, but you're still going to hit the ground, okay? Doesn't respect it. So, but we didn't see gravity. We saw the effects of gravity. Both the law of gravity and aerodynamics is unseen by the average person and not really understood by them. But we do see the results of it, so we believe in their existence, but we don't see them. Every day we do that. So really the excuse is mute. How much more should we believe in God though we cannot see Him nor always able to understand Him or His ways? The excuse that people cannot believe in something they cannot see or understand is contrary to most of what they accept on a daily basis. A second excuse that perhaps you've heard is, I cannot believe in a God who would send people to hell. That's a common one, huh? And boy, they really think they've got you. 
This excuse is based on a wrong understanding of God and His nature. First of all, God created man in His own image and after His own likeness, Genesis 1.26 tells us. He was created with the potential to think, intellectual likeness, as He gave Him dominion and the ability to name all the animals in the garden, Genesis 1.28 and 2.19. Have you ever thought how we have the ability to reason and think logically? Animals don't. Secondly, man was created with the potential of being a moral being. Everything God made was very good, Genesis 1.31. A moral being. There is a moral base to man because we were created in God's image. Thirdly, he was created with the potential of being a spiritual being, to have fellowship with God, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made him a living soul, Genesis 2, 7 and 3, 8. And so that's what it means when it says we are created in the image and the likeness of God. We can think, we can reason. We have a moral foundation and base, and we also are spiritual beings able to fellowship with God. Very important. Now, secondly, man chose to disobey. He chose to disobey God's, how many commands? One. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? He had the whole garden. One thing. It says, of one tree you may not eat. The tree that's in the midst of the garden. I can, um, I wasn't there, but I can almost hear Adam. Where is it at? <laughs> now, thirdly, God made provisions for man to be reconciled to God once again through the promised Messiah in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. Now, God himself shed the blood of an animal, the very first sacrifice, to cover their sin and to cover their nakedness in Genesis 3.21. God was the cause. Their repentance was the effect. God was the pursuer. They were the, those who were being pursued. Very important. The God that we serve is said to be gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abundant loving kindness, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sins, one who relents from doing harm. He told that to Moses in Exodus 34, 6. And this is what Jonah told God as he was angry because God forgave Nineveh in Jonah 4.2. Is this not why I said I wanted to go to Tarshish? Because you are a gracious, loving, merciful God who relents from doing evil? You see, it's a misunderstanding of God's nature. God is pursuing man because he loves man. The forgiveness of sins through the shedding of blood was a type of Jesus Christ to come. Hebrews 9, 22 through 28 says that apart from the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that which began in Genesis with the little animal. Blood was the atonement for the life of sin. Now the forgiveness comes through repentance, which means to turn around. You're walking this way towards sin. God speaks to you. You repent, turn around, and you walk towards God now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by me in John 14, 6. You give that scripture to anybody because you know the argument again. We're not another argument they say. Well, you know that that's your interpretation. Ask them. What does John fourteen say? 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by me. Please give me your interpretation of that. Let me give you another one. Acts 4.12. There is no name under heaven and earth where my men must be saved. Can I have your interpretation on that? Another one? Okay. 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Can I have your interpretation on that? You see, the most powerful things regarding salvation are very forward, they're very clear, and very simple. As a matter of fact, most of the things that are pertinent to salvation are monosyllabic, one-syllable words. Listen to Jesus. Here comes the theologian, Nicodemus. And Jesus says, You must be born again. <laughs> now, if it was you and me, we would impress Nicodemus. Well, I want to talk about the transcendent of the manifestation of the all-powerful God and how his transcendency goes beyond our knowing and you know with this foreknowledge and then it, you know and we try to impress him Jesus says you must be born again a child can understand that and you look at the things that Jesus says and the gospel declares regarding salvation they are very basic very simple very straightforward a child can understand it am I saying that we can come to God on our intellectual understanding no it's by the Spirit of God that life is breathed into those words. But once God turns on the light, and He will if you're around to hear the gospel, then there is no excuse because they are very simple, straightforward statements. God has declared that Gehenna was made for Satan and his angels, not for any man. Do you know that? Matthew 25, 41. Gehenna was made for no one. That's the lake of fire, by the way. Okay? For Satan and his angels, not any person. Therefore, any person who ends up in Gehenna will be a person who has rejected to spend eternity with God by choosing Jesus Christ. They've rejected Christ, they've rejected eternity with God. They haven't rejected eternity. They just rejected eternity where they're going to spend it. Therefore, every person who ends up in Gehenna will end up there by choice, not by chance. They can't blame God. And therefore, God sends no person to Gehenna because he has made every provision necessary to escape it. And every person will have an opportunity. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know that every person will have an opportunity before they die. You say, where is that in Scripture, Rex? It's not directly. But as we study the Word of God and we know that God is just, holy, true, merciful, gracious, and he's not willing that any should perish in 2 Peter 3, 9, then we know that somewhere along the line, every person will have a chance to accept him. Or, God is not true. God is not just. God is not holy. Everybody will. I don't know how. Now, before I came to Jesus Christ in 73, I can't remember anybody witnessing to me in high school. But I do remember this guy dropping tracks when I worked at the store. And I just, and that's the first time I heard the gospel through those tracks. Every person has an opportunity. Well, how about the guy in the bush? Hey, God will take care of the guy in the bush. Don't worry about him. 
How about you? You're not in the bush. Now you're hearing it. Now what are you going to do about it? You see the excuse that a person cannot believe in God because he would send people to hell is due to misunderstanding God's nature. God never created Gehenna for any person, only for Satan and his angels. You know why? Because there's no redemption for an angel. Only for man. A third excuse that we often hear is, I cannot accept that man is evil. This is a, the crown of our generation. This is the crown of our generation. I cannot accept that man is evil. We are so committed to man being good. Oh, this excuse is based on, listen, self-deception. First of all, the statement is a contradiction of the evidence that history provides regarding man. You have to be blind, deaf, and dumb to ignore history. And a little brain damage, too. The first couple had the ideal world, and they rebelled against God. They had the perfect parent, God, okay? They had the perfect paradise, Eden. They had the perfect provision, everything they needed. The outcome of the fall revealed innate sinfulness of man. Now, any parents ever had to teach your child how to lie? How to steal? You sit down your kid about two, three years, say, now, you know, you're going to be going to school in about a year or two, and I want to teach you how to lie. <laughs> you know, this way you won't get in trouble, busted. No, no, no. You were out there, and your kid, before he went to school, you go in the front yard, and he's going to play in the neighbor's yard, and he comes home with a little red wagon. Say, Johnny, where'd you get the wagon? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> Is it one of your friends? Uh-uh. And pretty soon... Peter's mom comes. He says, listen, your son took my son's wagon. <laughs> Who taught him to lie? Innate, sinful nature. Cain killed Abel, Genesis 4.8. Not because he was good, but because he was evil. God's statement of man was that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, Genesis 6, 5. Now, you have to come to grips with that statement. Either it is an absolute truth, categorically, or it is the absolute lie, categorically. One of the two. He said, every intent of the thought of his heart was evil continually. The number of years of war in comparison to the number of years of peace since the year 3000 B.C. That's looking at 5,000 years of man's history. 13 to 1. Not 13 years of peace to one year of war. 13 years of war to one year of peace. Now we can ignore history and say that man is good. If man is good, what's the wars for? Man's bent is towards evil with potential for good. We don't deny the potential for good, but his bent is towards evil. 
That's why James tells us, where do wars come from? Do they not come from within your members? You desire to have, but you can't obtain. You strive to have, and, you know, you kill. James 4, 1 and 2. The problem is from within man, not outside of man. Outside of man, they will influence some things, but the problem, the heart of the problem is man's heart. Why do we try to decorate it today? Why do we say man's good? The potential's in you. Yeah, the potential for evil's in you. The problem's in you. The statement that man is good is a denial, secondly, of one's own depravity. So, first of all, we have to deny history. Second of all, we have to deny our own depravity. Every one of us knows that we are not perfect. We fail. Anybody in here perfect? No takers? Okay, good. We're in agreement. We fail. We favor people at times, even as Christians. We get out of God's will as Christians, and as non-believers, we take revenge on people. We make foolish decisions that later on we regret in life. Everyone is ashamed of the things he or she has committed in their lives. However few years we have lived. Every one of us. Individuals have spoken vicious words to destroy people directly to them or indirectly through slanderous remarks. At one time or another. Some have failed in their sexual purity prior to marriage, be it once or many times. And the sin of the day is adultery. Others have done evil to others due to their involvement with drugs, alcohol, or because of the company they have kept. And yet others have stolen, defrauded, and killed in their heart often. And some have even gone to the very limits of killing physically. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Only God knows, as Jeremiah 79 says. The Lord Jesus said that the things that proceed from the mouth, they come from the heart. They defile a man. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, and he keeps on adding to the list. Matthew 15, 18 through 19. The evil works are called the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. They're the works of the flesh. Our sin nature. And so, the excuse that a person cannot believe in a God who says that man is evil is ignoring the clear evidence, and it is self-deception. Fourth and last excuse. I don't want to be around hypocrites. This is classic. I don't want to be around hypocrites. This excuse is based on hypocrisy itself. First of all, the entire human race is hypocritical at one time or another. We give an appearance of what we are in order, in, in order that people might think that we're better than we are. And so we're good actors. We put on an act with a girl as men. We're very patient. We're very chivalrous that we might conquer her sexually. Interesting. My, 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 said the spider to the fly. 
We let people think we are their friends when in reality, we're not. We say we have never been unfaithful to our wives or our husbands, yet in our hearts we've committed adultery more times than we can imagine. The people you hang out with, if you're a non-believer, those that are not Christians are hypocrites in their lifestyle. And you have the nerve to say you don't want to be around hypocrites. They use drugs on the weekends or on a regular basis without any thought of the danger posed to the children in the home or to those around them or the workforce. They drive under the influence of alcohol without any regards to the innocent victims that they might kill. They have the greatest advice for people and kids not to be like them, yet they continue in their own lifestyle. The hypocrisy of the world is only temporary. The entire population of Gehenna will be hypocrites. You need to understand that. The Greek word for hypocrite is an actor. In the Greek theater, you know that they had a, a two masks, a frown and a smile. Now, when you went to the theater, you went to be entertained, and they, you didn't go to theater to be deceived. They put a mask before them, and it was very evident that these were people acting up the part. Today, the problem with our movies is that we try to make them so close to reality that people fantasize. Okay? Now we make fun, remember through the 60s and that, we'd make fun of the Japanese films? Godzilla and all that, and all, okay? But they know it's entertainment. We're trying to make it as real to life as possible. That's our problem as Americans. Now we can't distinguish the difference between reality and fiction any longer. And what we've sown to the wind, now we've reaped the whirlwind. The church does does have its hypocrites. But don't worry. They won't be in heaven. There will not be one hypocrite in heaven. So come to the Lord and pray for the hypocrites. Maybe they'll repent. But on the other hand, if you don't come because you don't want to be around hypocrites, you're going to spend eternity with all the hypocrites that have ever lived. Have you ever thought about that? Isn't hypocrisy a silly reason for you to throw away your eternity with God? The excuse that you cannot believe in a God because you don't want to be around hypocrites is kind of hypocritical itself. These are but four and some of the excuses that people use to keep from coming to Jesus Christ. Now, maybe I didn't touch on your excuse, but what is your excuse? If you examine it closely, you will see that really it's a smokescreen. And that even though it is a smokescreen, it is a direct rejection of Jesus Christ. And God will honor your choice. You need to understand that. But every time He honors your choice, it gets harder to come to Him because He strengthens you in that position. It says Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God honored his choice. And you know what happened to Pharaoh? It got harder and harder to come to him. May God deliver you from your excuses. And may you embrace him.
Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up with some challenging thoughts as he brings to a close part one of a message, Excuses for Not Coming to Christ. Pastor Xavier has brought us the first four of eight common excuses so far and continues on our next program with the balance of those, so you'll want to be along to get his responses to the rest. And if you've missed any part of this message and want to get caught up, we've got audio copies of this message available upon request. The title is simply Excuses for Not Coming to Christ Part 1. It's available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title, Excuses for Not Coming to Christ Part 1. Or simply mention today's date and address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or phone us at 800-926-1485. That's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And if you would, kindly let us know the call letters of this station, as this helps us to monitor the effectiveness of our radio ministry. While contradictions in Scripture are always purported, but never verified, Pastor Xavier has the real simple truths next time. So join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 